The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cup podcast. I am Chad Young, joined as always by Pete Ball. This is episode 18, and it doesn't really have a name or a theme. We got all sorts of stuff we want to talk about today. We're in the middle of June, or almost the middle of June here. There's a lot of stuff going on in the baseball world. We've talked about the sticky ball stuff. We've talked about trades going on in fantasy leagues. We've, we've talked about all sorts of things. We are looking to talk more about prospects in the future. Right now, what we want to talk about is basically the future in general. It's never too early to start thinking about what things are going to look like next season. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean you're selling or preparing for the future. Sometimes it just means being smart about what players you're targeting and what you're thinking about. It does. Yeah. I mean, this is that part of the season where you're looking at you're looking at your keeper situation. You're looking at some of the players that are performing. We're going to talk about different positions this year. You're looking at free agency. And if you've got the ability to make moves and remain competitive, or if you're not competitive at the moment, just prepare for next year. You know, like we've been talking about the last several weeks, like this is this is the time to do it. So are there any guys who, I'm going to sort of put you on the spot here, because I don't think this is what we prepped for, but I'm going to ask anyways. <laughs> you talked about guys who you're, you're looking at your team and trying to figure out who's performing, who's not. Anyone on your rosters that you're looking at right now who haven't been performing that you're like, I, this guy's going to turn around. I'm not giving up on him yet. That's a great question. Joey Gallo is somebody who, you know, we've talked about him in the past. I've talked about my concerns with his ground ball rate and, you know, I'm like pretty much out on him, but he's one that comes to mind where I've got him in a few spots and I'm, I'm hoping for a turnaround. And I guess the one that I'm, I'm looking at even more would be Josh Bell, who looked like he was breaking out. I shouldn't say breaking out. That's not the right term, but it looked like he was all of a sudden appearing for for this season, whereas last year was a disaster. The second half of 2019 was a disaster, and certainly this year has been a disaster. And then all of a sudden he got cold again. So I'm still holding out hope for those two. If I think of another one, I will certainly share. But those are those are the two on my mind right now. Bella's an interesting one because there's some really, really exciting numbers underlying some of what's going on. I mean, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the fact that everybody's EVs are up, right? Exit velocities are just higher this year. He is setting a career high in average exit velocity. He has already set a career high in max exit velocity. His launch angle is up, which for him is a good thing because he's been a little low at times in his career. His barrel rate is up from last year. It's not quite to where it was in the, that you know 
great first half of 2019, but it's it's up. His hard hit rate, it would be a career high. Even with all of that, though, his his WOBA right now is 299. His ex-WOBA is only 323. There's obviously positive regression that you can imagine coming from that, but not necessarily a ton of it, which is a little a little concerning. He had a good enough day to day, I guess. He was one for three with a double. So he, he's you know he's moved that WOBA up over 300. It's now up to 301. Big big news for him. He's struggling a bit with his BABIP. It's 252, and he is not. He's never been a high BABIP guy, but not a low BABIP guy either. Like he doesn't hit so many, you know, the, the things you, you worry about with guys with, with low BABIPs are, you know, they hit a ton of fly balls. They have a, and they don't have a great, or even if they do have a great home run per fly ball rate with all those fly balls, the ones that aren't home runs turn into outs. It's not really him. He, if anything, hits too many ground balls. He has a decent enough line drive rate. It just, I don't know, it's just not coming together for him. I, I can't really like... He used to have such great plate discipline, and yet he's he's chasing more than ever. He's walking less than ever. It, it's a really, I don't know. I, I like I find it hard to believe when a guy falls apart like this that he just fell apart. And yet I, I don't know what else to make of him. Well, he was too good in the first half of 2019 for it to be all nonsense, right? For that to be a fluke. It was, he, he was too good. He showed what his ceiling is. And even though he will probably never meet that again, I, I'm not ready to write him off as a, as a nobody, which I think a lot of owners in our game are, are certainly doing. If you remember, he was hit, he was having a monster spring and absolutely. And so was Ryan Zimmerman. And then he got hit by COVID for two weeks. There were reports that he wasn't able to get his timing back, that it was clearly affecting him. And I, this is where it's so tough, where it's like, you know, it's hard to play doctor, period, let alone, you know, with with this situation. But if that is still impacting him, if he does, if there's some kind of hope that he's going to get his feet back under him and sort of be a not as bad as he was in the second half of 2019, maybe not as good as he was in the first half, but not as bad in the second half and somewhere in between, well, I think you've got a pretty good infielder there and that's that's what i'm hoping for to get out of josh bell but i think the injuries are beginning to pile up and people are having to make some difficult cuts and i think josh bell has been one of those difficult cuts for a lot of people around in a lot of leagues chad i don't know if you saw the most recent news but did you see which two aces might just land on the il tomorrow morning yeah one of them has already come out so for those who who are listening to this you know on monday we're recording friday night and max scherzer did he make one pitch? Did he face one hitter? He he barely he made threw, it out of. Yeah, he threw twelve he, pitches, and then 12 uh, pitches. the training staff came out and just had him throw a practice pitch, and he threw one and was like, "I can't do it." So he he has already said that he felt his. I think he said his groin just sort of tweak, oh. and they. There was I, I even read somewhere they already did some imaging. There was nothing there. He thinks he's oh. fine. Oh wow! He's okay. calling himself day to day. So, you know, we'll see. By the time you guys hear this on Monday, you'll all be laughing at me because tomorrow morning we're going to find out that his season's over because that's what's happening to everybody. Don't this even year, joke like that. Oh, God. I can't, uh, I can't lose him. I can't lose him. Yeah, so Scherzer, but I, DeGrom, what, yeah. what happened with him? So apparently it is a, it's some word that I don't even know how to say. It's a, it's a flexor strain, basically, from what I've read, Got it. Um, which... And I'm hesitant to say that on the pod, that it's a flexor strain. I want to make sure I get the the wording correct here. This is from Anthony DeComo, who's a beat writer for the Mets for MLB.com. He just gave an update. It says, Jacob DeGrom left tonight's game due to right flexor tendinitis. 
He said he felt his flexor injury this week between starts. He said he's not too concerned about it. And he's had a couple elbow. This is a quote. I've had a couple elbow injuries before, and I know what that feels like. So my level of concern is not too high. Says he hopes to miss no time at all. So that's music to my ears. So maybe I brought that up for nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think it's, you know, this year, it just feels like every 10 minutes, you're hearing about somebody going down for an extended amount of time. And so when you when you hear names like DeGrom and Scherzer, it's hard not to get concerned. But yeah, both of them, it sounds like have dodged anything significant. Let's hope that that stays the case. Yes. Because, yeah, there, there have been, like I said, just way, way, way too many injuries. I read somewhere that even not counting COVID, we're 30% up on injuries this year. And then you had COVID on top of that, which has obviously taken a bunch of guys down for a period of time. And it, it's it been, has it's been to be, crazy. it has to still be COVID related though, right? Like, like because of the season last year, the shortened season, their bodies are not ready for the grind. I mean, we've already passed the 60 game mark in the MLB. So they're already doing more. The guys that played the entire season last year are already doing more than they did last season. So I think that's beginning to play its toll as well. And so even if Scherzer and DeGrom both avoid the IL, which is certainly what we all hope, those guys like Josh Bell to, to bring it back here. Those are the guys that I think people are beginning to cut. And so if you are in a position you have those open roster spots, particularly in keeper leagues, someone like Josh Bell, he should be in his prime right now. If he does have a second half re-emergence, we'll call it, uh, you'll be pretty happy you scooped him up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with Bell because with the COVID stuff, it's just hard to know how much that drags him down and for how long. And so right. I think you're going to be in an interesting situation with him where in almost every league, there's going to be a manager willing to continue to bet on Bell through the start of next year. Because even if the rest of this season is bad, there's going to be somebody who's like, yeah, he got hit by COVID and then he never took a break and he played all season and he probably never really recovered. And let's, you know, let's see how he does with a normal off season and normal prep and all that. I'm a Josh Bell fan, so that'll probably be me in all of my leagues. I'll probably be the one still betting on him, but I'm, I'm counting on him having a big second half. I, I, I don't, he's just too good a hitter with too good an eye for this to be what's happening with him. They've also been pretty uninspiring offensively. You know, they got a team 702 OPS and uh, it's not it's not a lot of help around him as as good in, as Trey and Soto have been. So well, and Soto in the power department hasn't been that great. So I think it's just a down year for the Nats is what it looks like. Yeah. So speaking of first baseman with injuries, Joey Votto recently back when he left, he was posting an excellent, excellent ex-WOBA. He had great hard hit numbers and barrel rates. Like he, he was hitting the ball as well as he ever had. And the results weren't really following today. He went one for three with a home run and a walk, a very, very Votto day. One for three with a home run and a walk. This is his fourth game back. It is his second home run in as many days. I, I'm, I'm super intrigued by what Votto is going to do. I, I picked him up in an auto new league where he was, cut when he got hurt and was underperforming. And I sort of waited, 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 and finally decided to pick him up again right before he came back, which worked out really well. I've had him in the lineup ever since, and he's delivering results. You you think Votto, he's 37, right? I mean, this is not, he's not young. So any bet on him is a, a risky one. You, you buying Votto? I think so. I So I would never want to bet against Joey Votto. I mean, that's a Hall of Fame eye right there, right? And, and that kind of plate discipline continues on. That's just going to, even if he has trouble catching up to fastballs, he, he still has a great sense of the strike zone. 
so that knowing that hasn't gone anywhere helps me believe a little bit more that maybe he just needed a nice off season and he's ready to get going here. Also, you know, all off season, I, I tried to beat the drum that the of just how unlucky the Reds were last year. You know, just how much of a down season they had, and you know, we went over the numbers months ago, Chad. But just how bad their BABIP was. I mean, it was the worst in the league by a significant margin. So, seeing that turn around this year and, and, and the Reds be a much more formidable offensive team, I think is only going to help Fado and, and and make it that much easier for him to fit in and and, and do his thing. So. Yeah, I guess I'm buying Votto. It definitely depends the cost. But if I could add him for, you know, a cheap cost in an auto new or for nothing in free agency, I don't see why not. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, looking at his stats, interesting, he has a 235 Babip, which is the same he had last year. So whatever was going wrong with the Reds Babips last year, he's still got it. He's still <laughs> struggling with that. He late last year made an adjustment. And I wish I had notes on this in front of me because I don't. But he... He, as I understand it, he basically made a choice to to swing more aggressively and to go after more pitches and try to hit for a little bit more power, even if it came at the expense of his, you know, notoriously high walk rates. And for the last three weeks of the season last year, he had a 130 WRC plus, 137 actually, with five home runs over 75 plate appearances. He still managed an 18.7% walk rate. So he still was just fine in terms of walking, but I think there's some real upside if that adjustment sticks. And if it, it early in what was weird early in the season was it looked like the adjustment stuck and he wasn't getting the results from it, despite great contact. Mm-hmm. Now, then he got hurt and you don't, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. He's been pretty good since he came back. And so I'm, I'm definitely interested in what he's, what he's doing. I threw you on the spot. Made you talk about a bunch of stuff we didn't plan to talk about. I think it was interesting. I hope people liked it. But let's get back to what we did want to talk about, which is starting to think a little bit about 2022. And like I said, we've talked before about when to sell and what you should do if you're selling this early and what you should do if you're buying and things like that. That's not really what this is about. What we want to talk about today is more guys who you're keeping an eye on or thinking differently about because of what might happen to them in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we look at the free agent list, like you have to understand that it's not going to be that simple. There may be guys who sign extensions. There may be guys who I guess sign a little bit quickly in the off season. They maybe don't have as much time to prepare, but the name that stuck out and basically why I wanted to talk about this today, Chad was, was Trevor story. You know, that was my impetus for this because I, I have him in one of our, I can't remember which one. I want to say it's our community league. Not that that's a keeper league. And that's my only spot where I have him. So I, I, Trevor Story's I've never been somebody that has been on my rosters that often. So I'm, I'm not usually that close to following him. But he's another one of those Rockies players who does great at home, does poorly on the road. And we've talked about that at length. Who's going to be a free agent and is in his prime and is in a is a primetime fantasy baseball player. So that's my long-winded way of saying where this kind of conversation came from. And it's it's certainly not just about Trevor Story. There are other free agents out there that if they find themselves in a new situation, I should say pending free agents, that if they find themselves in a new situation, could certainly be more or less interesting, which does impact your keeper situations. You know, Chad, when I brought up this topic, you said, I don't know if I would make trades really based on that right and I'm, I'm kind of mincing what you said and i i completely agree Close and I, I right yeah and i completely agree i don't think that's any way to really manage your rosters and that's why i keep bringing it back here though to trevor story and what you kind of opened it up to earlier in closers and potential closers because trevor story if i have him in a keeper league 
and I'm out of contention right now, I'm I'm considering selling him for sure. Uh, because one of the reasons isn't his underperformance because he has not been himself this year is not his most recent trip on the IL, but it's absolutely because he could find himself in a place where his home park is no longer Coors. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario with him. I think I would likely be selling him too if I were out of contention. Interestingly, I don't really have many rosters either. I'm not really sure... I don't even say I don't like him. I just, I guess I'm just not the high man on him. And so I don't usually end up with him. I, I would be selling, but mostly because I don't, I just think he's expensive. I think the cost on him is high. Now, maybe that's why I don't have him anyways, but because the cost on him is so high, I don't think the keeper cost in leagues where there is a keeper cost is going to be worth it. And so I would probably be trying to move on. But the cores thing I don't know. I think it's a little bit of a red herring, right? I mean, you look at what happened with, you know, Corey Dickerson's been up and down, but he's been fine and, and at times very good outside of cores. If you go back in the old days, Matt Holiday was excellent when he left. More recently, DJ LeMayhew went from being a very good player at cores to being an MVP candidate last year. He's been down this year, but he put up some really good numbers for a couple of years in New York. And then you look at Nolan Arenado, who's the, the most recent example. And Arenado, he has not, his season this year has not been sort of, you know, prime peak Arenado numbers, which, you know, prime peak Arenado numbers are elite, elite numbers. He was putting up Wobas in the 390s year after year for, for a bit there. He's in the 350s, 355 this year. He actually had a, he had a solid day today. So he's up to 356 now with the Cardinals. He's doing that despite a 289 BAPIP, which is a little low for him, and I expect it will go up, and an 11.2% home run per fly ball rate, which is also low for him, but maybe stays low because of the, the move out of cores. But the, but the thing is, like in general, he's at a 355, 356 Woba. I think there's room for him to be doing even better than that. He's got 11 home runs in 61 games, right? I mean, he's on a not quite a 30 home run pace, but not that far off of it. And he's hitting in a decent enough lineup. He's got 32 runs and 40 RBIs already. So he's on pace to put up, you know, again, in in 60 games, that puts him on a 75 run, close to 100 RBI pace. There's a lot to like here. And and last year, he was so bad. He had such a down year last year. And so it's hard for me to look at this and say, oh, he's putting up 356, whoa, but he used to put up 390s. He's really missing cores. I sort of think he's, it's just a new baseline for him. I'm not sure he would have done better had he stayed in Colorado. And so when I look at Arenado and when I look at LeMahieu and when I look at some of these other guys who have left, I have a tendency to, to look at story and think like, I think he'll be fine. His home numbers are going to be worse next year than they have been historically, without a doubt. His road numbers will be better than they have been historically because there is a real meaningful negative impact on Rockies hitters when they go on the road. And it, it makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, if you're in a home park where breaking balls don't break, and all of a sudden you have to go on the road and face breaking balls that do break, like that's a pretty significant difference. So they have to completely change their approach every time they change parks. So I look at Story and I sort of think, I think he'll be fine. I'm I'm willing to move on from him, mostly because I just don't think he's worth what he's paid anyways in, or what, what his cost is anyways in fantasy leagues. But 
If you have him for a cost that you think is reasonable for him now, I'm not sure I would let cores be the reason I get rid of him or the, the, the potential loss of cores. Yeah, if I, if I had a bargain Trevor story, I, I wouldn't move him just because of cores either. And I do agree with the overall point, right? I mean, you and I were high, much higher on Arenado than the field going into the season. I was not one of the ones that was just going to blindly invest in CJ Crone just because he was in cores. So the premise, I, I agree with 100%. With story, maybe it is because like you, I just don't have that much invested in him that like, all right, now if you're going to take away the benefit of those those times he's at home, I, I definitely don't want anything to do with him. But what he actually produces, and then there's how he's perceived and how he's valued. And right now in the fantasy community, Chad and I, we're in the minority. I, I don't think most podcasts you listen to are going to tell you that cores isn't a big deal. And so if I, the perceived value of Trevor Story is at a certain point where even if he is having a down year, he does still have eight stolen bases. He continues to cut down his strikeout rate every, every season he's been in the league. I think he's still valued as an elite shortstop. And so if you're able to flip him and get stuff for him now, I think that's important because even if if he signs somewhere else and Chad and I maybe even like him more because we're going to get him at value, the bottom line overall overall in fantasy baseball, his value is going to be significantly less because he's gone. Look what happened to Arenado. He was a he was a slam dunk first round pick for years. And all of a sudden he goes to St. Louis and you could get him in the fourth round. In some leagues, he was going in the fifth round. And so I, th- I think that is going to happen to story, no matter how he finishes the season, depending on where he signs. And I, w- I this is now is the time, time to, time to move. Yeah. On. I think that's an important distinction between his, his market value or his perceived value and his actual, what stats will he produce value? Because while I, while I am saying that I, I don't expect a big hit on the stats leaving cores based on what we've seen in the past. I absolutely expect a big hit on his perceived value and his market value and his cost to acquire. And so from that perspective, I think you're right. I mean, if you have story now and you love story and you think you can sell him to somebody who's going to bail on him in October anyways, because he's leaving cores, do it. You could always get him back because I think he will come back at a cheaper cost six months from now than than he costs right now. Another key difference is something that always worries me with guys like this is, you know, all those players... That, that we've gone through before, right? Those those Rockies, be it LeMayhew, Arenado, Holiday. Story's a, a great hitter. I don't want to take that away from him, but so much of his fantasy value is also in those legs. And so much of, of stolen bases is intent. It's not necessarily skill. It's not necessarily ability. So he might not slow down and he's still very fast. But if he goes somewhere else, new manager, maybe a new fat contract where they don't want him you know, running the bases, whatever, if he's all of a sudden not stealing and he's not in cores and blah, 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 blah. Well, again, I, I just think now's the time. Now's the time. Yeah. And that will know, you know, it, it's really hard, especially, especially with the shortstops this offseason. Like sometimes you look at some of these free agents and you're like, oh, Garrett Cole is a free agent and the Yankees need an ace and they're going to just dump whatever money they have. <laughs> and like, you can make a pretty reasonable guess that Garrett Cole is going to end up in pinstripes. Fine. But Fine. this year, you know, Lindor's now off the market, but you've got Seager, you've got Cor- Carlos Correa, you've got Story. I'm trying to, was there another shortstop? Oh, uh, Marcus Simeon. Bias. Javi Baez. You have a ton. You have just yep. a pile of middle infielders available. And so when you look out there and you're like, okay, well, where could Story land? And it's like, 
I don't know, anywhere. <laughs> like, it seems like almost every team. I mean, I'm trying to think of how many teams are going to go into this offseason with their middle infield set enough that story's not an option for them. Forget the money, right? Let's let's assume every team had, could, was going to spend whatever they wanted. Is there Are there any teams you can really think of that you're like, no, this team is set at middle infield and there's just no way they're going to spend on one of these free agents? Yeah, I mean, I... I... Normally, I'd say like, oh, the Dodgers, because they're just always loaded and and they, they churn things out. Although second base has been a bit of a weak spot. But no, because I, why would you ever rule them out from yeah. signing somebody like that? I mean, the Red Sox have their their left side is set in stone and they got Jeter Downs coming up the pipeline. So, OK, one of 30. There we go. <laughs> and he could end up as a Red Sox. Who knows? So really, it's a great point. It's yeah, a great I mean, point. You, you say like they're they're set on that side, but like. Is it totally crazy to think that they could sign Story and move Devers to first if they really believe that was the best no, way to make their crazy. team better? So I just, I don't know. I mean, like I would have said before this season that the Blue Jays made no sense because with Bichette and Biggio, they seem to be pretty set. And then they went out and signed a one-year deal with City. <laughs> like so obviously they're still on the table. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like anybody could be. So it's really hard for me to, to guess where he's going to land. And I think you're right. I think the landing spot for him I'm less worried about him landing in a bad hitter's park and more worried about him, at least from a five by five perspective, landing with a team that's like, just get on base and chill until someone drives you in. <laughs> Cause that's, right. that's a problem. Now I, I'm trying to think of like, you know, the, the white Sox like to run actually the white Sox, Tim Anderson and Nick Madrigal are probably their middle infield for the foreseeable future. They're probably a team that's mm-hmm. not in on him. So there we found them. There is a team. Unless they flip Madrigal for him at the trade deadline, which is another reason to move on from your story shares if you have any of these concerns. Because I don't think that – is it likely that he goes from the Rockies to free agency to another team? I think it's more likely he goes from the Rockies to another team to free agency to another team. That's probably true. The Rockies are probably going to have to move him at some point. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Man, Madrigal, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> Oh, I'm just completely throwing crap at the Magical wall right now. Corvers but uh, would be fascinating just to see what he developed that power. Finally. Yes. I just wonder, like, do you think he could get to double digit home runs if he played his home games in course? Uh, if we played a 250 game season, I do. Yeah. Games, that's, that's not that much more than we play. <laughs> sure. Close. Yeah. Looking at some of the other free agents that are out there. Are there any others who you are? particularly worried about particularly interested in where they land and and that to the point that it's to the point that it's causing you to rethink how you value them today yeah i mean the, the first one is actually a guy that we ended up talking about talking a lot about over the last couple of weeks and that's mark melanson because in most keeper leagues mark melanson is not going to be kept anyway but he's having such a great season that he has a lot of value right now. I mean, he does. I think he. I think he still leads baseball in saves. He hasn't gotten a save in a while, but he's somewhat. He's like your your typical got to move on from. And that's that's something we talk about a lot, right? Like you want to move on from your older closers if you're if you're rebuilding or even if you're you're looking to sell for any kind of reason because they're the ones that are not going to retain any kind of value. But you also don't want to ignore the category in saves. And although Melanson, unlike most of his peers doesn't strike anybody out. He's still a super valuable reliever that I think is destined to go to a place where he's not going to be the closer. 
and that's obviously going to zap all of his value. I feel like taking a, a closer, especially an older closer, is kind of like a cop out for this question. But so much of free agency, like we've talked about, is just completely unpredictable yeah. that I don't want to get too much into. Yeah, I mean, I, Melanson's an interesting one because I I sort of think he's going to end up a closer next year. Sure. I, I just think he's having such a good year, and there's still plenty of reasons to be concerned. And if I were a GM, I don't think he's the guy I would go after. But I don't know. I mean, look at what the Royals have done with their bullpen the last few years. And guys like bringing back Wade Davis, bringing back Greg Holland. We've seen Ian Kennedy getting saves. They strike me as a kind of team that could be very happy to pay for Melanson to be their closer and to, to settle the back end of a bullpen that's been pretty, has a lot of talent, but has been pretty bounced around this year. The Reds, I think, probably regret moving oh, on from Iglesias, even though he hasn't been great this year. But he was a steadying presence in that bullpen. I could see the Reds being like, you know what? It doesn't matter that if he comes here, he might not be our best reliever. What matters is he could just we could hand him the ninth inning and never think about it again. And so I think there's some teams that will be will be happy to do that. And you know, Melanson will be looking for a payday. I bet. He will, and and that might be end up being why he doesn't end up being yeah. a closer. But it's not like this was out of out of nowhere either, right? I mean, like last year, he was pretty good for the Braves. This is a guy who has put forward many very high quality closer seasons before on several different teams. So I don't mean to to kind of make it seem like I'm coming down hard on the guy. I believe in what he's doing. It's just he's definitely the the type of name I would look to move on from. Yeah. What about starting pitchers? So I was looking. It's like. I think Kevin Gaussman is a free agent. Stroman, I believe, is a free agent. It's a thin market. Yeah. I think Dylan Bundy too, right? Names right. Dylan Bundy is a free agent. Alex Cobb is. Danny Duffy. So some guys who have been kind of performing well this year. John Gray as well could be an interesting investment if he finds himself out, of course, because you know cores is one thing for hitters. I think if you're a good hitter, you're a good hitter. But your fantasy value, if you're a starting pitcher in cores is is brutal yeah. so john gray's who somehow like pitched well at home this year if i have that correct <laughs> he could definitely be a bit of an interesting target there's no shortage of options but in terms of elite options guys who i'd be worried about not really i mean i, I can't imagine clayton kershaw pitching for anybody other than the dodgers i thought there was i, I mean i guess i still think there's a chance that that max scherzer gets moved carlos rodon's going to be a free agent it's just with stuff like this trying to attach fantasy value to those possibilities i don't i don't know if i would make any move because of that like if max scherzer gets traded to the blue jays and then signs a two-year deal with the diamondbacks he's still max scherzer so i'm not that doesn't really affect anything for me i think that there's a few names that i'm i'm sort of i'm watching i guess i would say or i will be watching and i think this has less to do with how i value them now and more to do with what i'll think about them in the offseason but like I do think Dylan Bundy is an interesting one, if only because the Angels seem to be just legitimately terrible with pitching, right? <laughs> and and Bundy was better last year, but like... What does that make the Orioles? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I mean, I, I don't know. You look at like, they, they can't keep their pitchers healthy. They, they haven't had pitchers be consistently successful. Even a guy like Otani, who just seems to be on a, his own planet, occasionally, like, he has completely loses his control at times. And I, I see no evidence that the Angels have done a particularly good job of developing pitching. We keep hearing that like Andrew Haney's going to be good. Really hasn't been. Griffin Canning, people are some people are excited about him. Hasn't really stepped up. And so I, I 
there's part of me that thinks that like like man i would love love to see like the giants sign dylan bundy or the astros sign dylan bundy one of these teams that's had a history of helping guys get their get their best going because i think that there's an ace in dylan bundy that would just i think he's just in the wrong place for it so i'm really intrigued by that but it probably isn't enough for me to change my value on him this year. If he's available inexpensively because of a rough year and I can pick him up cheap, maybe I would Maybe I would be like, all right, I'm going to pick him up cheap just to watch where he ends up and see if his value goes up. I don't know. That's sort of it from the, from the pitchers. Though. Like John Gray, I agree, except that I'm not sure. We've talked a lot about with his story how Coors – is maybe a little bit of a red herring. It's the, the impact on hitters is overstated because of the negative impact of being away. I think at some level, the opposite is true with pitchers. I think having to deal with these two vastly different environments at cores and, and not at cores actually ruins pitchers. Can you think of many pitchers who have left cores and like fix themselves? It's a great point. I mean, Ubaldo Jimenez is not an example for that, right? right? I mean, he was somebody who looked like he was going to push through cores and just like cores aside, I'm going to be an ace and ended up being atrocious. But I also just don't think, I mean, have we really been blown away by any of the talent that they've developed over the last 10, 15 years? That's totally fair, right? But I mean, you would, you would think if cores were something that starting pitchers could escape, you would think that there'd be a couple of guys who we thought were terrible because they were terrible there. We weren't blown away with, and then they left and got better. Right. And I, I think like, like, let's say that John Gray leaves and next year emerges as you know, not an ace, but a very good starting pitcher. Then the narrative on him will be, he's always been a good starting pitcher, but he was stuck in cores. We haven't seen that ever happen that I can think of. And maybe there's someone I'm missing but I, I can't think of any examples. I mean, I, I guess, uh, yeah, no, because I mean, even relievers like uh, Adovino was good there. So the fact that he was good elsewhere doesn't really count for much. Drew Pomerantz was there, right? And then left. As a prospect, did he make it to the, I don't know. To to the look, bigs with but the But he Rockies? also, he, he didn't really emerge until they moved him to the bullpen anyways. And they didn't move him to the bullpen. So I'm trying to pull him up real quick. He did. He pitched three seasons with the Rockies. He made 26, 30 starts and four relief appearances from 2011 to 2013 with some pretty bad numbers. And then Oakland, the next year, he pitched much better in Oakland the next year, but was splitting time between the pen and the rotation. He did, by in 2016 and 2017, have a couple of years where he was primarily a starter. I, I don't know. His is a weird story. So maybe maybe he is the example. Right, of a guy who just couldn't pitch at cores, got away from cores and got better, but he seems to have gotten better by going to the bullpen and finding himself. And then he went back and was a solid starter for a while. I don't know. Yeah, I've I've got one for you that I don't know how much it fits the bill because this is something you'd have to really dive into. But Jason Hamill was a pitcher who I liked for a while. Uh, just just a a fine option in in certain cases and. When he was in Colorado, he was in Colorado basically from 2009 through 2011, and he was bad. I mean, we're talking a mid-fours to high-fours ERA. And then his first year out of that in Baltimore, of all places, he had a 3.43 ERA. That, that went back up the next year. 
But from then on, he was just a pretty solid pitcher until really the end of his career when he was 34, 35 years old. So he kind of, I guess. That's fair. Maybe he is the example. I don't know. I, we'll see with Gray. I'm I'm a little concerned that what that what happens to pitchers is they try to figure out cores. They're dealing with these two very very different environments, and so they just they they ruin themselves to the point that they can't really bounce back. And I've always wondered, like, should the Rockies consider a super strange rotation setup where they have home starters and road starters? And and like find three guys who they think are really well suited to pitching at cores and let them get used to pitching at cores and never have to deal with the different environment on the road. And then find three guys who probably can't handle cores but are in a good place on the road and don't force them to go back and forth. I don't know how you make that work if you have like a seven game homestand and then a 10 game road trip or something. Maybe you can't. <laughs> I think the real answer is to build a dome that is like climate controlled or something. Yeah, pressurized. Exactly. Yeah. Well, looking at some other free agents who are out there, I didn't realize Freddie Freeman is a free agent. Interesting age. Yeah, it's a lot of older guys. No, he's he's going to be unrestricted as far as I know. But so I don't think there's any question he's going to return because how they're they're basically stealing money from Ozzy Albies and and Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, who are they paying? Right. They're also going to have Charlie Morton coming off the book. So. They're going to bring him back, but he's, he underscores this, this interesting free agent class where like it's elite shortstops and then a bunch of old dudes, right? Not that Freddie Freeman's an old guy. He just won an MVP, but we're getting back to like, it was a weird point in baseball where like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper were becoming free agents and Mookie Betts was a year away from free agency. And now it's like back to these older guys are, are free agents. Yeah. So Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo, certainly when you look up and down the pitchers that are going to be available, Older free agents for sure. Yeah, when I look at their the Braves dollars for next year, they've got twenty two million coming off the books from Freeman, so they could give that right back to him. But Acuna's going up by ten million next year. He's still only getting paid fifteen, but he's only being paid five right now. They've got mm-hmm. they, I don't know what's gonna happen with Ozuna, because they've got Ozuna locked up for for quite a bit of money the next few years. Twelve million, sixteen million, eighteen million, eighteen million. And if his legal trouble doesn't go away, I don't know how that changes things. And that's, there's not a lot else. Like, like you said, Charlie Morton, they're paying him $15 million. That goes away. Albies, his salary skyrockets next year from $3 million to $5 million, which is just oh, nuts. Man. They will get our braises for Dansby Swanson, Max Fried, Mike Soroka. But I'm not sure how... Those will be happy. Yeah, I, don't, I mean... I don't know. We'll see. So I, you're right. I do think they've got the money to keep him. I think you know Rizzo's another interesting name. I have to imagine Albert Pujols just retires. <laughs> He's the other sort of old first baseman. Although Yuli Gurriel too. There's a lot of old first basemen available. And of course, you know, shortstop is where it's at next year, right? We talked about Correa and Baez and Story and Seager. And Lindor's already been removed from that class. So you know. We'll see where it goes. I don't think there's anyone else, though, on that list who I'm who I'm overly worried about where they land. Or conversely, like you said, which I think is definitely the more interesting perspective. Could you become more interested yeah. in them uh, should they go somewhere else? And uh, it, I guess the one that that might actually is is Rizzo, and and the Cubs' offense has been a, a little bit surprisingly better recently. I don't know. I got to look at the team statistics before I say something that's incorrect. But you know, obviously Bryant's playing well. Baez has been boomer bust. That's a big park. 
you know, he he's at a different point in his career. Maybe a new set of eyes on him, a new approach could certainly help out. So I'd be interested, like if Rizzo ends up going to like some crazy fantasy world, the Yankees, like all of a sudden, oh, okay, I could see a reemergence from Anthony Rizzo here because uh, he, he's just not been been great this year. He's coming around, but he's not been yeah. great. The other name, by the way, that's that's out there, Michael Conforto is going to hit free agency, and he's been hurt, and he's had sort of a down year, but he is a good, still not that old player. Maybe could benefit from getting away from New York. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see. Maybe getting away from the training yeah. staff. And I hate to say stuff like that. I mean to throw training staffs under the bus, but like at some point, what is what is going on in New York between the Yankees and the Mets and these injuries? What what is happening there? Yeah, New York is a dangerous place, man. You got to be careful. <laughs> it's, it's very true. Very true. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what's going on there. I think as we were talking about closers a little bit, are there closers that you are already... You know, we talked about Melanson, but like, if you're trying to win this year, he's a pretty good guy to have because he's he is locked into that role. He is pitching well. I, there's a, maybe a little bit of risk because if he does start to struggle, they probably won't hesitate to pull the plug on him. And they have other options. They have lots and lots of other options. But but he's in pretty good shape. But the scary thing that happens as we get to this time of year in leagues where you care about closers is relievers get traded. They get traded a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I don't have any data to back this up, but it feels like they get traded more than anybody else. So I'm going to just say that. And if it's not true, somebody will complain to me. But they get traded a lot. And when they do, it's often hard to predict what their roles are going to be, right? And you, you think about like the Yankees seem to always want to get in on relievers or trade away relievers. They're always moving relievers one way or the other. If the Yankees trade for a reliever this year, I wouldn't be totally surprised by that. But they're probably not going to make whoever it is a closer, right? So they, they may, you know, there have been rumors since the offseason that the Brewers are open to trading Josh Hader. I could totally see the Yankees trading for Josh Hader. He'll be a setup guy because they're going to keep Chapman in that closer role. And so you have to be on the lookout when you when you roster a closer who might get traded for the possibility that they get traded somewhere where they lose the job. Are there closers who right now you are, if not necessarily fading, at least thinking twice about because you're worried they may end up losing their job due to trade? Either somebody getting traded ahead of them or them getting traded behind someone. <laughs> At the moment, fading them for that reason, no. Are there guys who I could definitely see it happening to? That's an entirely different question. I think that answer would definitely be yes. Two guys where they're new, Brad Hand and Rezel Iglesias. I mean, those are pretty big chips, and those two teams have not been good. So should should a need arise for another team to trade for one of those guys, I could definitely see it. I think in a lot of cases, what we see with, with relievers being moved at the deadline is that it could be a closer that gets moved that ends up losing a job, but it's usually that eight, seventh or eighth inning guy that ends up bringing in a haul for the team, trading them away, that then takes on that role or becomes a closer somewhere else. Usually just kind of depends on the landscape of the league. So at this time, no, not really. There's not a guy I think could get moved and I get worried about. Daniel Bard, I guess, would be my answer. I mean, Bard's hitting. It's so awesome to see this guy hitting 100 one miles an hour again. He's really turned it on lately. All of a sudden, I don't know where he's got eight saves. So he is, I guess, would be my, if I, if I had to answer with, 
this question with uh, with one. It's the Rockies are terrible, and he's you know he's not young anymore, and he's still throwing 100 miles an hour. That's going to stick out to any team looking for a reliever. Sure. So Bard would be the one, but I don't know if I'm actively fading him Got at the it. moment. Yeah, there's a few other names. I mean, I think you know Joaquin Soria with the Diamondbacks, like they've been terrible, and I have to imagine they'd be open to moving him if it came down to it. Um, you know, I for a while I thought there was a possibility that Kimbrel might get traded. The Cubs are leading the Central. So they're probably not trading away their closer while they're leading the division or even while they're close in the division. So he's probably safe. And with him, I mean, he's, he's got a 44% K rate. I mean, he got, if he got traded somewhere, I think he's going to be the closer. Yeah, I think that's... If it was the Yankees, like you said, then no. But if he went to back to Boston, for example, which wouldn't happen, Barnes is going back to a well, that's it. So that's the other thing I was going to look at. It was like, are there any closers for good teams that I'm worried might get dis- displaced? And... The the Red Sox might be the one situation where that team has been doing so well. I know they like Barnes there, but he doesn't seem like he's real secure in that job if they could go out and lock down the back end of that bullpen. If they could get a hater, if if they could get a Kimbrel, I don't think they're going to trade... Like. I could see them trading for Joaquin Soria, but not to put him in the closer role. They would just use him in, as a setup guy. They're not going to displace Barnes for him. But I wonder if there aren't some more established, effective closers that they could go out and trade for and, and push Barnes down. I'm just not sure how many there are. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think there are many. And I I do think they actually kind of like Barnes cemented in that role. I know Cora's got a lot of faith in him. And when they got Ottavino, it, it, it felt like it, even though they got Ottavino, it wasn't like a question. It was like, well, no, Matt Barnes is the closer and, you know, Ottavino is going to be the eighth inning guy. So that to me kind of spoke volumes because Ottavino is obviously very proven. So I don't think the Red Sox will be the target. I think they're going to be looking at like corner corner outfielders. And if they're able to get a decent reliever back, they'll, they'll do that. But the bullpen has been a strength for them. I don't know if there's a team that fits that mold right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking right now at like teams that are doing pretty well. And we just talked about the Red Sox, which... You know, you know them better than I do. Uh, the White Sox just signed Liam Hendricks. Like they're obviously pretty set there. You got a great yeah. Team. Cleveland. I don't know. Cleveland could absolutely benefit. Like their bullpen's been excellent. They could absolutely benefit from another reliever. I just don't know if they're going to pay up for a top closer. And if they don't, then I think they'll keep their young guys in that closer role. You know, Houston I think is fine with Presley. Who else? So I've got one. I think Toronto could be. Uh, they got burned by Yates. You know, obviously Giles is out, and he's either a free agent or on Seattle right now. I don't even remember. And and so now it's back to Romano and Delise, and they're patching it together. I, I know Romano just got a hold. I don't know who got their most recent save. They tried Tyler Chatwood in that spot because he had been lights out in very low leverage roles and. He ended up blowing a save immediately. So they're a team that is so good. And if they're in the playoff hunt, all of a sudden they get George Springer back and they get all this momentum. I could see them looking for a starting pitcher closer combo. Um, so that's one that I would monitor. If all of a sudden it looks like Romano's running away with that job, we'll pump the brakes because, you know, just to go back to that example we've been using, if they were the if they were targeting Josh Hader, Josh Hader has taken that yeah. job from from Jordan Romano. Well and Romano, I don't know. I don't think he left tonight's game. I think he was unavailable tonight with forearm tightness. Oh, not yeah. good. So 
they they have some needs, and they, they should get Julian Merriweather back at some point, but I don't know if they want to rely on him given his injury history. And Yeah, you're right. I think they're, the Jays are a good example of a team that could go out and add a closer. I don't know. Other than that, I'm not really sure. The Giants, it's, too. They've been awesome, and their bullpen has been odd. Uh, Tyler Rogers is... I just don't think Rodgers or McGee have shown enough to show that, like, all right, give give me the ball in the ninth inning and this game's over. They definitely don't have that kind of guy. So they, they could absolutely go out and target somebody if they stay in this hunt. Makes sense. So do you have not a new question of the day for me today? Do you want to come up with one? On I don't, but I, I, I'm going to come up with one on the spot. In, let's say you need a reliever. Look, give, me, give, us, give the folks one reliever, a name. A specific name that you'd look at to add for a buck. Somebody that you're thinking like, all right, I, I have an open spot, need a reliever, not necessarily saves. Obviously, I just need someone to get in there. Who are you looking at for a dollar at the moment? It's an interesting question. A reliever that I could sign for a buck in like an auto new in a points league, right? So where you know saves and holds yeah. count for points, but got it. Man, that's an interesting one. I don't think I could have asked you a more specific yeah. question for this. I like it, though. I like it. The Cubs have been giving a lot of hold opportunities, right? They're obviously set with Kimbrel, as we talked about, but they've been giving a lot of hold opportunities to Ryan Tepera. Tepera? I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Tepera. I don't know why I think it's that, but I think it's. And he's been. He has been good. He's getting 10.43 Ks per nine, 2.15 walks per nine. He's striking out 31% of hitters. He got 25% K percent minus walk percent. So he is not walking a lot of guys. He is striking out a lot of guys. He has an over 50% ground ball rate. He's keeping his launch angle down. And so he's also got a you know 2.15 ERA, 2.64 FIP. 2.68 Sierra, like everything looks good. He's got one save so far. He's got 10 holds already though. So in, in auto new leagues where holds are almost as good as saves, he's been pretty, pretty valuable. And if there was ever a need for someone to replace Kimbrel, I think he's, I think he's next in line. Um, I, I am trying to get a sense real quick of like, what his what his cost would be, but I can't imagine he's super expensive. I'd say he definitely qualifies for this question. Yeah, I mean he's I'm looking right now at his I'm just pulling up his player page now. He is rostered in less than half of leagues. His roster percentage is forty nine point seven one percent. His average salary is two dollars and fifteen cents, but his median salary is a buck. So perfect. Yeah. Now he's going up a little bit. He's up to a two forties last 10 ads. He's $2 and 40 cents average $2 for the median. So that price is, is creeping up a little bit in general. I mean, I, I think you can probably get him. If you can't get him for a buck, you're not going to pay more than let's say three. You'll probably get him for less than that. And he's been really good. I actually, I picked him up in my, four by four league where I'm in the auto new prestige league. I picked him up just for the auto new prestige league, picked him up, used him for a little bit, dropped him. He's on my, my snapshot for the prestige league. And he's been helping me quite a bit. He had another hold today. I think I feel like he did. I'm going to double check that right now because they, they played this afternoon. Well, in the meantime, I'll, I'll, while you look that up, I'll give one for my hometown Red Sox. Josh Taylor has been absolutely phenomenal this year and they, they need him badly. He's one of the few 
lefties in the pen. The other lefty would be Darwin's and Hernandez, who's who's kind of boom or bust at this point. But Taylor's been terrific. The velocity has been outstanding. He himself, he didn't get a hold tonight because the Red Sox didn't have a lead until the bottom of the ninth, but he did come in and was locked down once again, one inning, two strikeouts. You know, I was tempted to say Garrett Whitlock just to be a homer, but I don't think you're getting him for a buck. Oh. Josh Taylor, though, I, th- I think you could, and he's been he's been pretty awesome. Taylor, good to know. I'm going to have to take a look at him because I'd I'd miss that. Relievers, I mean, it's so interesting because they're so valuable, but they also move around a lot and in terms of how effective they are. And so mm-hmm. I'm constantly on the lookout for relievers, constantly in, in my auto new leagues because you can churn through them and find good, effective players. You just got to be willing to got to be willing to pay for them and, and, and make the effort and not so much pay for them. Mm-hmm. You've got to be willing to make the effort to go find them and figure out who's worth it and, and sign them. <laughs> and if you do that, you can churn through relievers and do pretty well. Tepera, Tepera, whatever his name is, and Taylor are probably are, are both good examples. And something else about relievers really quick. I mean, so much of it is like, it sounds so snobbish, but it is like you have to watch because two or three batted ball events can just make a reliever's ratios and expected statistics look awful when you know, like, no, this guy has been really, really good. Um, I actually think Taylor kind of fits that mold, but that's that's besides the point. I mean, it, when you see it, you know, and that one bad outing from a reliever can really ruin things for a while. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it was a good question for, for having to come up with a question on the spot. So hopefully... Even better answer. I Well, we'll see. Hopefully those guys both perform well <laughs> moving forward. Otherwise, our listeners are going to be coming at us with pitchforks and torches. So <laughs> And Josh Taylor shares. That's right. So anyways, thank you all for listening once again to the Keeper Cup podcast. This is Chad Young along with Pete Ball. You can remember to subscribe anywhere podcasts are subscribable please leave us ratings and reviews we love to hear what you think you can also find us as a team on twitter at keep or cut that's cut with a k and you can find us individually on twitter at chad young and at pete b baseball love to hear from you want to know what you think about the show what you want to hear from us in the future thanks for listening and we'll see you next week